welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger. And I'm Jeff Schutze. And we are back after our hiatus and... Yeah, a lot of things have happened at the end of 2018, at the beginning of 2019. You guys, it was a lot. You know, not only just going home and, you know, seeing family and friends and all of that, but everything having to do with Lassiter, everything having to do with Time's Up and the Me Too movement, glitch texts, you know, just everything having to do with everything and just different things going on in the world. And it got us thinking about a lot of stuff. Actually, um, what ended up happening was several of my friends and I were having lunch and we were talking about things going on in the animation industry. And then we just started talking about how there's a lot of things that you don't know until you get into it that nobody ever tells you. And we're not just talking about how to draw, how to do boards, how to do character designs, but we're also talking about how production works, but also base simple things like 401ks and the union and non-union and union studios, but then also things like finding the right art schools, but then also simple things like LA and just dealing with LA and the cost of everything and apartments. And so we sent out basically a survey to a lot of former guests and a lot of friends in the studio. We got a ton of responses back. And so what we decided to do was we're going to have a mini series discussing a wide range of topics. We're going to be talking about the Animation Guild. We're going to talk about production. We're going to talk about education, LA, mental health, everything that we could think of that really you're just not going to learn in school. And you just might not really learn necessarily from other people until you've been working for a while because we felt like you guys you really need to know because as you know looking around at the world things aren't always great it's not always good times all the times and we really felt like it was disingenuous to talk about oh the animation industry is great entertainment is great all the time because sometimes it's not but sometimes it is it's really difficult a lot of the time and we just want you guys to be prepared and aware so that when you encounter a lot of this stuff that you're not shocked. We'd rather you be, oh yeah, I heard about this, rather than, oh my gosh, I had no idea this was a thing. Yeah, I think that's great because there's a ton of things I don't know. And so I am looking forward to this because I have so many questions too, you know, because there is no course that's going to give you all the answers. A lot of things you just find out on the job. So I think if we can provide some of those answers and talk to people that know those answers, that's going to benefit everyone, including us. Absolutely. So we just wanted to share what we've learned from colleagues and friends and teachers and from our own personal experiences. And some of your experiences might be the same, some might be different. So we encourage you guys to chime in. And as we go through these series, If there's any questions that you have, feel free to send them to us. You can message us on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram. We also have an email you can find on the website. So feel free to ask and we will do our best to find the answer for you because like Jeff said, we wanna know too. So we're gonna start at the beginning. So the very beginning is just getting an education 
And then because we live in LA, we can speak to this living in Los Angeles. Now, if you live in Vancouver or Toronto or New York, your experiences might be similar. They might be different. I did used to live in New York, but I didn't work in the animation industry in New York. So I don't really feel like I can speak to that, but I can speak about living in LA. And so can Jeff, because unlike a lot of people we've met, both of us are actually from here, Yeah, which is kind of weird because you don't meet a whole lot of people from the area. So yeah, so let's talk about it. So Jeff, living in LA, since you've lived here longer than me, you know, you grew up here the entire time. What are some things about LA that people coming to the city might not really know? Well, our public transportation sucks. <laughs> they might know that. But I think a good thing to know is that the city is kind of weird in that, you know, we drive in from lots of different places and the cost for apartments or places to live is widespread. Like, you might not want to live in Burbank where the studios are or where you're going to be working because it's really expensive to live in Burbank, but you can find places around there that are affordable. Or you might want to live in Hollywood or LA. You are going to want to make a trip here before you get that job. Or, you know, if, say you get an offer for a job, you're going to want to come out here and look at apartments and the places to live and talk to someone from LA to find out where the best places to live are. Because there's Places that you don't want to live. <laughs> and you need to know about those areas. And there's some places that are cool and maybe you wouldn't necessarily know about if you didn't live in L.A. already. So hopefully you can find out about those places from someone who already lives here. And piggybacking off of that. So when we talk about L.A., what are we even saying? So L.A. is huge. Neither of us, Jeff and I, we don't actually live in L.A., we live in the surrounding areas. There are a ton of smaller cities around LA, and chances are if you're here to work in the entertainment industry, whether animation or live action, you're probably not going to be living in Los Angeles itself because it's huge and very spread out and pretty expensive. So most people that work in animation, here's where they live. They're living in Burbank, Glendale, Sun Valley, Valley Village, West Hollywood, North Hollywood, Pasadena, Altadena. Those are usually the places where people are. There's a couple of other smaller places around too, places like Pacoima, mm -hmm. which I had never heard of until literally three months ago. Oh, yeah. I went to school there. Yeah, Pacoima is <laughs> really nice. It's like a really nice place. Some parts of Some it. Parts yeah. of it. <laughs> Sherman Oaks is a good place yeah. too. I live there mm -hmm. and I really like Sherman Oaks and Encino area. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about. So all these places we listed, that's most likely where you're going to be living. That's probably where you're going to be finding an apartment you can afford. And let's talk about apartment rents. So, no joke, the average apartment in these areas we're talking about, if we're talking about a one bedroom, one bathroom apartment, you're looking at anywhere between 1600 to three grand. Mm -hmm. We're not making this up. It is very, very expensive. So most people get roommates. So I highly recommend, unless you have the money to spend on it, 
get a roommate because that'll just make costs so much easier for you. And really think about it. Don't just pick somebody off of Craigslist. Like, talk to them, figure out what your interests are. Or you can do what some of our friends have done, which is they lived in an Airbnb for a while until they were able to find a more, mm. you know, permanent place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would suggest finding other artist friends or people that want to get into the industry too or who are in the industry um, because those might make great roommates. You know, at least you have a common interest and they understand, you know, when you're working, you're working and you might need quiet time yeah. and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, and we'll go to you, mm-hmm. you know, go with you to gallery openings and meeting people and all, all kinds of things. So. Yeah, and pretty much most people you meet here are working in entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like wherever you go, the grocery store, church, art galleries, coffee, shop. coffee shops, you're going to see a bunch of people on their laptops. They're all writing screenplays. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a bunch of people at art galleries. You're going to see people at the, you know, the zoo drawing. They're all animation people. Yeah. Those are the only people at the zoo drawing animals. Right. So that's what you're going to be seeing. And then also speaking of, you talked earlier about lack of public transportation. Mm-hmm. Now, for the longest time, it was very advisable not to come here unless you had a car. It was very much, how are you going to get around if you don't have a car? Now that we have Uber and Lyft, you actually don't have to have a car. We both know several people that work in the industry that do not have a car. Mm -hmm. They just have to take Uber and Lyft everywhere. So if you're okay with that, you can move here without a car. If you do have a car, I highly recommend get an apartment that has a dedicated parking space. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend getting an apartment where you don't have a space. You can. Sometimes they're cheaper, but you're paying for that and driving around and around and around. And if you're in school, if you're working late, if you're coming back from a show, the last thing you want to do late at night is drive around the neighborhood trying to find a place to park and then parking really far away and then walking at home by yourself in the dark. <laughs> I've done that before, yeah. Yeah. Definitely parking is such, it's a premium here. Like you need a parking spot. And if you're going to do the Uber thing, hopefully you can find a job that is close to you because those Uber fees will stack up really fast. If you are living, say, in Northridge and you need to come all the way to Hollywood or something to work, that's going to be a steep Uber fee going and coming. So yeah, you're going to want to take that into consideration too. Absolutely, yeah, because a lot of places are far. Like, for example, one of my friends recently came back from visiting his family, and he's in North Hollywood, had to go to LAX. The Uber fee for that is $40. So that's expensive. So Mm -hmm. just keep that in mind. But what you are saving is gas, insurance, brake pads, timing belts, oil changes, tires, you know, washing your car, all that good stuff. Oh, and that's another thing. Your insurance costs more. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to cost more. Gasoline costs more. Your renter's insurance, your car insurance, your health insurance. If the word insurance is involved, it's going to cost more than wherever it is that you're coming from. So just be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah, at least there'll be less stress if you aren't driving. Because you know I like stress out in cars too. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, going back to that Uber yeah. thing. <laughs> Thinking about Ubering, but I still haven't bitten the bullet. Yeah. Keep driving. Or you might be like me 
and you love driving and you drive around and you're trying to figure out why is everyone going so slow and then you realize <laughs> oh i am i am very much speeding i should probably slow down here so yeah i i need to work on that oh that's another thing people speed people speed a lot and they often don't use their turn signals mm-hmm. so just be aware of that just be aware of the road yeah as a driver and as a pedestrian because oh, yeah. i Definitely look both ways and I make sure, you know, even as I'm crossing to make sure no one's Mm -hmm. looking at their phone or distracted. A lot of these Uber drivers are kind of, you know, distracted all the time too. Like, yeah, it gets treacherous on the Mm -hmm. street sometimes. Yeah, and it's funny. I was actually talking to a Wayman Singleton over at Hmm. the Black and Animated podcast about pedestrians and how we act because, you know, he's from New York. I used to live in New York. In New York, you do a thing where you, you don't, you stand in the street. So here's the sidewalk, but you're like standing right next to it, like kind of out of corner so that you can cross faster. Don't do that in LA. Oh, no. People will turn and you'll, you'll get your feet run over. <laughs> you probably shouldn't do that in New York either, but we used to do that all the time. Don't do that mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Nope. Yeah, very much stay on the sidewalk. So yeah, so those are basic things with LA. But the other thing to keep in mind too is we don't really have seasons. So it's pretty much... 50 to 100 degrees and that's it when it rains people freak out people don't know how to drive in the rain they really freak out because oh my gosh water is coming out of the sky also we've been in a drought for a really long time so when it rains and the city is not the infrastructure is not built for rain Mm -hmm. so the drainage systems don't work as well so roads tend to get way more flooded than they would anywhere else i've ever lived oh yeah i almost got on the freeway on the five freeway in sun valley Going under an overpass, I almost got stuck in a huge thing, a puddle of water because mm-hmm. the drainage was so bad there. Also, coming over from West Hollywood into the valley, mudslides yeah. all the time yeah. when it rains. So beware of that too. Yeah, we have a lot of fires. So usually mm-hmm. about once a year, once every other year, just from drought or mm-hmm. arson, sadly, or random lightning strike like something will catch on fire and the mountains will be on fire. Mm -hmm. That happened this past October. It was really bad. So fires are a thing sometimes. Earthquakes, there haven't really been any really big ones recently. Occasionally you'll get one that's like a three or four. They're not as bad as you might be led to think. Yeah, the earth is shaking and that's scary, but the really little ones you usually can't feel those and they sometimes tend to it feels like happened was that, that a often. big truck passing by yeah you know kind of like the rolling ones yeah yeah there have been big earthquakes here mm-hmm. but there haven't been one for a while but that so. makes me nervous yeah because maybe we're due I, you know i keep mm-hmm. hearing we're due for a big one mm-hmm. i was here for that big northridge oh i was here too yeah oh that was bad yeah so what we're talking about is the northridge earthquake in 1994 mm-hmm. and i believe it was a seven yeah, was as high as it was, yeah. and we felt that in Ventura, which is about an hour and a half, two hours away, and it sounded like a train was coming through the house, and the entire house was shaking. Everything oh, yeah. was shaking, things were falling off. It was very scary, but that does not happen that often. Mm-hmm. And also, the building codes in California are very different from other parts of the country, so buildings have to be built in a way to prevent them from just utterly collapsing into right. a heap. So the buildings here are built a lot better. Mm-hmm. So that's something that can give you comfort knowing that, you know, if a lot of shaking is going on here, 
get in a doorway, get under a table, get away from glass. Mm-hmm. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I much prefer earthquakes to... Um, I've been in hurricanes and tornadoes. Oh, wow. In Austin, when I was in college, this was back in... What year was this? About... 2000, 2001, there were a series of really bad tornadoes and the sky turned green and rain was going sideways. Wow. It was horrifying. To go outside and the entire sky is green, it's, it's not how it should be. That's weird. That sounds like the end times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I much prefer very short earthquakes to, mm, yeah, I should be inside my house right mm. now. As long as a big one doesn't hit and we get an 8.0 yeah. or something, I think. That might be we'll another be story. Yeah. So we'll let y'all know if that happens. Hopefully that'll never happen. <laughs> but yeah, but overall though, I personally really like LA. I am not a big fan of seasons. I don't like digging my car out of the snow. I've done 360s and hydroplaning in my car when I was in Denver and Houston. You know, from like rain and ice. I don't really like that. I don't like it when it's like six degrees and having to bundle up or going into stores and it's not snowing and coming out and it's snowing. So if you're like me and you don't care about snow or fall or seasons really, then LA is a really great place for you because it's pretty much just sunny Mm -hmm. all the time. And that's how I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't do well in snow either. (laughs) I don't do well in the cold. I don't do well in super humidity. Although I can get used to that. But yeah, cold, I'm not good at yeah it doesn't get that humid here mm-hmm. if you're from places like texas or florida or new york mm-hmm. you'll really like it here because it doesn't really get that humid also if you're from places like houston there's not a lot of gigantic insects mm. uh california as far as i've been able to tell there's no flying cockroaches here oh, like no. there are in houston i haven't seen a whole lot of just giant giant bugs Mm -hmm. which is really awesome there are giant slugs which Mm. are kind of weird yeah i've seen like four inch slugs around here that's kind of strange there's also giant snails so gastropods get very big but like (laughs) other like things not so much yeah yeah like in hawaii they get those big big cockroaches Mm -hmm. and fortunately we don't have those here but even the small cockroaches here are gross yeah Yeah. but yeah not too bad i also haven't seen a lot of rats Mm. When I was in New York, I used to see rats all the time. Uh, my apartment also had mice, mm-hmm. which was pretty bad. As far as I can tell, that doesn't seem to happen a lot out in Burbank, Glendale, Pasadena. So you don't usually have to worry about like vermin quite as much, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. I had a rat in my apartment once. Mm. And not fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was taken care of, and now it's been fine. So- What you will see are a lot of raccoons and possums, Mm -hmm. and sometimes coyotes. You'll see raccoons and possums in, like, neighborhood areas. Coyotes a little bit farther out. Mm -hmm. Mountain lions, like, in the mountains sometimes. Same with rattlesnakes. But for those creatures, you really, you basically have to be going to look for them. You're probably not going to be seeing one of them in your neighborhood. Also, skunks. I have seen a couple Mm -hmm. of skunks around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my parents' dog, because they live kind of near a hill, Mm -hmm. so a lot of creatures come down sometimes yeah. they get deer even mm-hmm. but yeah their dog was got into a fight with a skunk and it was not pretty and no. it did not smell good yeah. no this that that doesn't go well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah they get a lot of possums a lot of raccoons mm-hmm. they had a koi pond and 
they had a massacre happen when the raccoons found this koi pond and there was just blood and fish scales <laughs> oh, all no. over it was horrible <laughs> that sounds terrible but, yeah but not too many people have koi ponds anymore so yeah 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 so basically just know that here it's a lot more expensive so what i recommend which i did this myself is if you go online and you can either go to a site like Bankrate or nerd wallet and you can type in the cost of living calculator and you can put in how much you're currently earning in whatever city or state you live in now versus how much you would be paying once you move to los angeles hmm. and it'll calculate for you this is how much you need to earn if you move here and it'll also compare the price of everything so it'll compare like the price of gas where you are compared to the price here the price for groceries the price for doctor's appointments the price for rent the price for buying a house and so those are very important things to keep aware of because this will help you before you make your move to figure out especially if you don't have a job yet how much you should save up before you move out here so that you're not living in a less than ideal living situation like an apartment in a bad part of town and only eating ramen seven days a week which you know all of us have had to do but if you can avoid that i highly recommend just doing some research on how much it would be advantageous for you to bring and then just also knowing that it might take you a couple of years to get a job in the animation industry even if you have a degree even if you've gotten multiple internships, not a couple of months, it could take you a couple of years. I'm not saying save up five years worth of pay. If you can, that's great. I'm just saying just, you know that ahead of time. When those times come, it won't surprise you. Absolutely, that's so important and so good to stress that come out with money here so that you aren't having problems getting an apartment or eating or whatever and be thinking about getting a job, maybe not in the animation industry, even if you have to get a job as a barista or work retail or something like that, that pays the bills, you're gonna need that because it is expensive out here. I've had some friends who are in the industry who fortunately had freelance work they were able to do online from a different state. And then when they came here, they were able to keep that freelance work going, but they discussed it with the people beforehand. So that's a great way to keep money coming in but yeah you'll need to be keeping money flowing definitely absolutely and one of the things that i did was i signed up for a website called staff me up and that's a production website that mainly works with reality television sometimes live action but it was mainly with reality television and this was after i'd already graduated from school and so i worked on a number of reality television shows as a PA and as a runner, and a runner is just literally a runner. You go and you run after things. You're driving people to and from places. You're picking up food. That is what I was doing. I was typing up things. I was getting people lunch. I was watching vans. Hmm. Very exciting and glamorous, you know, but it paid for my food, you know, and it paid my rent. I've also, I've worked at Bath and Body Works. Both of us have worked at the Apple store. Mm -hmm. I've worked at Express. I've worked at Victoria's Secret. I worked at a bookstore. I was a temp 
at the Hallmark Channel, and I just sat at the front desk and watched Hallmark movies all day. It was kind of great, because wow. <laughs> the only people that called were old ladies wanting to know what time different shows were going to be on, mm -hmm. and I just got to watch all the Hallmark movies, which were always a woman down on her luck decides to have a fresh start by <laughs> going to a pumpkin patch or opening a bakery or something like that. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and. You know, those staff me up positions are really good, too, because you can make your own hours, pretty much. You know, you can figure out stuff. If you get a test or you need time to be doing stuff, you can be flexible doing things like that. I did work as an extra for a while, I've which was kind too. of fun. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll see me on Justified in the background <laughs> and, like, CSI, Cyber, or something, you know. Yeah. And it was fun, but it was one of those things that you can walk away from or you say you're not available that day. So it's, you know, if you can find work where you can make your schedule so you can do other things that you need to do, those are the really good jobs. And most of those jobs that we're talking about, if you're talking about retail or temping, you're looking at making between 10 and $16 an hour. If you're talking about reality television as a PA, you're making between 10 and $16 an hour. You will get paid overtime if you're working overtime, so make sure to report those hours. If you're being an extra in something, I was making between about 60 to $100, depending mm -hmm. on the production. Some productions where you're an extra, they have really good lunches. Some productions where you're an extra, you're getting a bag of chips. <laughs> yeah. So, but when they have good food, they have good food. And sometimes there's extra food and then you can bring that home. Oh, yeah. Which is really great. Mm -hmm. And they have to feed you. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're on set all day, those meals are paid for. It's great. Yeah. And just make sure, turn off your phone. I cannot stress this enough. Do not take pictures. If you choose to be an extra, don't take pictures of anything. You're not allowed. They might kick you off the set. Oh, yeah. So just keep your phone to yourself. Bring a little bag. Bring a water bottle. Bring a book. Be very nice mm -hmm. to everyone. Don't be a jerk because you never know. Because everyone is starting. We can't emphasize this enough. And I know you guys have heard it, but I'm going to say it again. Everyone is starting from somewhere, and you don't know where they will be again. So it is to your advantage, one, because it's just being a decent human, and two, they might one day be your boss or they might be the friend that can help you or your future roommate. And if you're a jerk, they're going to remember and go, oh, yeah, don't work with that person. They were terrible. Mm -hmm. So don't be a terrible person. Yeah. In anything you do. <laughs> no, just don't be. That should just be a rule for life. Don't mm -hmm. be terrible. I've run into so many people. This industry is so small. This city is so small in a way, even though it's spread mm -hmm. out. I run into the same people no matter what I'm doing. Yeah. So be nice. Yeah. yeah. One of my coworkers was the roommate of one of my podcast guests at Pixar. What? Yeah. It's wow. weird. So you just never know. This industry is so small that no one ever fully goes away unless they retire. And even then you might still see them at art gallery shows and screenings yeah. or freelancing because they might just decide, hey, I just want to come back for a couple of weeks. So just be cool. But overall, I really like LA. I like the weather. I find the city to be pretty manageable to get around, especially now with iPhones, where before I was getting lost all the time. Now it's like I have a map all the time. So that's really great. I used to have to. Did you ever have to get into Thomas Guides? Oh, well, what I did, used to do was I used to carry around, road, I had a road atlas, and I still do, have a road atlas mm -hmm. in my car, and I would get 
detailed maps of every city that I ever was in. Oh, yeah. And then I would plan out where I was going to go. And yeah. then I got a Garmin for Christmas. Oh, right. Okay. And so I used my Garmin. And then I got my phone. I'm like, I will never be lost again. Yeah. Yeah. But I do recommend having a map because you never know if the cell service is spotty and you're in L.A., you don't know where you are. Because no, that's no. happened before. I'm like, I don't know where I am anymore. <laughs> I don't know where this is. Okay, I'm just going to keep driving until something looks kind of familiar or maybe I see a freeway. Oh, yeah. I used to use Thomas Guides and they used to come out with a new one every, you know, because new streets would pop up or new neighborhoods. So I'd have an updated Thomas Guide, which is basically a big booklet with just all the maps of the counties and whatever in LA mm -hmm. and especially because I was an actor for a while and I needed to find you know all these agencies or whatever that were all over the city and then MapQuest came out and then I would be printing out maps for oh a while. I did that all yeah. the time yeah <laughs> but now yeah it's the phone and yeah so you guys got it easy yes you do and Waze man Waze, oh, yeah, Waze. and Google Maps and mm -hmm. all of that be thankful be thankful for all those things mm -hmm. and there's a lot of fun talking about driving going out there's a lot of fun things to do there's great museums there's great plays there's the zoo there's a number of beaches there's a lot there's coffee shops the food is fantastic the food is know. great there's just a lot of fun things mm -hmm. to do around town. Theater. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's a lot of things that are free. You know, you can type in free in LA and you will find things to do. Because mm -hmm. I guarantee you, when you first start out, you'll probably have zero money. Mm -hmm. Zero money for entertainment. So what I did was I got a membership to the zoo because it was 40 bucks. And then I was able to go to the zoo every weekend for like a year because, yeah. hey, this is now my entertainment. I can go to the zoo, yeah. you know. But and also, you can beef up your art skills yeah, at the same time. beef up your art skills. You can go to the beach. The beach is free. Parking's not, mm -hmm. but the beach is free. Yeah. So find cheap places to park or park along the side of the street. Yeah. Even coffee shops. There's so many interesting people here. Yeah. You know, interesting and by that, I mean weird sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And so sitting at a coffee shop and just buying like a $2 cup of coffee and mm -hmm. then bringing out your sketchbook and sketching cool, weird people is like great. Yeah. And here's a fun thing that I did. This is okay. So I had no money. Mm -hmm. This is when I was, I came out here. This is 2015. I was looking for an apartment. I had zero money to really do anything. And so I went to the Ikea in Burbank and I walked around and then I found the one section where they had a living room set up that had a real television instead of Proptronics and I sat and watched a movie. Really? In the Ikea. Oh my god. Because I was great. on this really nice couch because nobody's going to bother you because they just think that you're hanging out looking at everything. Oh, yeah. And I thought, this is fantastic. It's air conditioned because this was in August. So, you know, it's, it's air conditioning and nobody's bothering me and I'm entertained <laughs> and parking is free. This is great. So, you know, Ikea, it's a pretty fantastic place. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Thinking of other cool places to visit. <laughs> you know, I use my parents' Costco card to get into Costco and eat their little samples. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a very cheap way to have like a decent lunch because sometimes, <laughs> you know, they'll give you like a little piece of hot dog or a little piece of rice cracker or whatever, but you add all those up mm -hmm. and you are full by the time you make your little rounds through Costco. <laughs> yeah. Great. And then one of our other friends, she worked for Instacart. So she oh. delivered people's groceries. There's also things like TaskRabbit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, I know a person that drove for Uber. There's... There's a lot of things, they're little things, and we'll be honest, 
they're not the best things mm-hmm. necessarily, but yeah. they'll keep you alive yeah. while you're looking for work. And that's the key. Just having the mindset of this may take longer than even I think it's going to take. Mm-hmm. And so you just need to be prepared for the long haul. But also just know that it's okay. You're going to have days where you're like, this isn't working. I hate this. Everything is terrible. And then you're going to have days where, hey, look, I still have a dollar left. I'm rich. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. just know that that's coming. If you know that's coming, hopefully not be so stressed out. Right. Because you might be one of those tiny percentage of people that come out here and get a job in their first couple weeks. But for most people, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you will be working on your craft for a long time and just make sure you keep at it. You know, as long as you keep at it and it may take a few years, may take a couple of years, it may take five years. There's no guarantee. So just make sure you're still taking care of yourself and yeah, make sure you're bringing in money and being healthy. Yeah, and the other thing too, which is hard to hear, no one owes you anything. Mm. A lot of times, I know I have felt this way, that I am working so hard, the world owes me a reward. That's not how it works. Nope. Nobody owes you a single thing. So you just need to work. You just mm-hmm. need to do the work. Yeah. Especially, I find that is so true. I mean, it's true everywhere. But in the entertainment industry, because I've approached it from the acting angle and you know now animation and everything, you can work the hardest you've ever worked, and that doesn't mean that you're gonna get anything from it. You know, no one, just like you said, no one owes you anything. And so, unlike some other industries I've been in, when I was doing, when I was working for a security company, doing, it was doing flash work, so it was creative still, but it was for a corporation, so. You know, I knew what I was getting to. The days would be the same every day. But in the entertainment industry, it's just, man, when I was doing acting, I spent so much money on going to classes and doing workshops, getting headshots, all these things. Didn't mean I booked a great part or anything. It just meant, oh, I'm in it for, you know, another week or whatever. Exactly. So, yeah, and I feel like it's the same thing with a little less so with the animation industry where... You can put in so much time and work on your craft, but it doesn't mean you're going to book that job. This is true. I have taken a number of tests. Mm -hmm. I have taken a lot of tests at this point. I've gotten better at taking tests. Mm -hmm. My skills have improved, but I don't have a job. Just because you get a test doesn't mean you have the job. Just because you do a really great test doesn't mean you have the job. Sometimes your work might be great and you don't get hired. Your work might be terrible and you don't get hired. Sometimes it's not up to you. Mm-hmm. But as much as it is up to you, you need to put in the work and you need to put in the skills. Mm-hmm. It's what's that adage? There's a saying luck is opportunity meets preparation. I may be screwing that up, but the sentiment's the same. You got to be prepared to keep working at it. So when that opportunity does come out, you can do the job. So let's talk about even getting to that point where you even have those skills. So now we're going to tackle big issue, education. So education is this great boon and also the bane of 
students because of the cost. But when we talk about education, we're not just talking about art school or film school or any school for that matter. We'll get into that. It encompasses everything. It encompasses YouTube videos, workshops, books, online classes, three and four year degree programs, two year certifications, all of that into it. So let's tackle education because there's certain things that you're just not going to learn in school. And quite frankly, there's certain things that it's not the school's job. Like for example, the reason why we're telling you all this about LA up front is it's not really your school's job to tell you how LA works mm -hmm. because especially if you're coming from a school in another state or another country, they don't know how LA works. They may have never been to California. So there's no way that they would know. So that's why we're telling you guys about it so that you know ahead of time. But there's other things that a really good school, I personally feel, will have these things. So you should look into these things. So number one, even before you go to school, whether you're in high school or you're like me and you had a whole other, or like you too, because you had a whole other career and so did I before we got into this industry. I challenge all of you to really think about what specifically you want to do in animation before you go to school. And I'm not just saying, I want to work at Disney. I want to work at Pixar or Nickelodeon. I'm saying, what specific story do you want to tell? What kind of style do you want to have? What type of entertainment do you want to create? And what role do you want to have within the studio system? Or if you don't want to work at a studio, what type of freelance job do you want to have? That's a question that a lot of people don't ask. Or if they do, they're really general about it. For example, they'll say, I want to work in visual development. Well, what, what is that really? Like what part of visual development do you want to do? And do you want to do it for feature or TV? And if it's for TV, well, what kind of TV? Is it adult animation? Is it for teens? Is it for kids? six to 11, which is the common demographic for places like Nickelodeon or Disney or DreamWorks TV. Is it for preschool? Is it for the web? Is it for commercials? Is it for live action? Like you need to think about these kind of things. Oh, absolutely. You can avoid a lot of spinning of wheels and wasted time if you whittle that down into what you are after. You know, even you know, when I started thinking about getting into the animation industry, I was just like, I want to tell stories, but that's not good enough. Everyone wants to tell a story. I still talk to people who are just like, well, I love Rick and Morty and that's what I want to do. What do you want to do that's like Rick and Morty? Do you, do you like that type of animation? Do you want a storyboard for it? Do you want to be on the writing team? What specifically do you want to do? And it wasn't until I was like, I want to storyboard when I found out more about the industry and what a storyboard artist was and how they are storytellers, depending on the type of show you're on, that I was able to really hone where I wanted to put my time and money and just working on drawing skills to achieve that. So definitely figure out what you want to do. I agree. And it's okay if you change too, because mm -hmm. I went in as a 2D animator, that's all I want to do. I'm like, I want to do 2D. And I knew going in that there weren't any more 2D feature films. 
But I figured, oh, well, I can work on a 2D show. That sounds great. And then when I got in, two things happened. One, I discovered that most of the 2D shows that you see on television, they're not actually animated here. That's not all of them. You know, like Titmouse does a lot of 2D shows, but a lot of them are actually animated in Canada or Australia or the Philippines or France or somewhere that's not mm-hmm. California. Which is not to say that you shouldn't major in 2D, because we were talking with Alex Salzberg, who's a former guest, and he's made a livelihood out of 2D, and he's great at it. And he's doing 2D, and it's great. So there is a way for you to do 2D in the States, but you have to know it might not be in the area that I think it's going to be. It might be if I become a freelancer and make explainer videos, or it might get to be for a show, Mm -hmm. or it might be for a commercial. So it's in your best interest to research that. I didn't. So I just went in going, I want to work on a 2D show. But then also what happened was once I got into it, I realized I don't enjoy animating, Mm. which never occurred to me that that might be a thing that might happen. I just thought I'm going to get into it. I'm going to love it. And I got into it and I thought, I don't care for this. I would rather not animate. But you know what I like to do is storyboarding. Okay, I'm going to do that instead. Also, if I pick storyboarding, I can stay in California. All right, that sounds great. And so that's what led me there. But I think about all the hours I would have had to have practiced even more had I done a little more research on the industry of looking up different studios, looking up different shows, watching the credits and figuring out where those shows were made, looking up those studios, trying to find people online or in person that I could talk to that were currently doing what I wanted to do. I didn't really do that aspect of it, so I could have saved some time. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're saying. Do some hard research before you decide to go to school. That way, at least you have a good idea. Okay, I'm going to do this thing. And if it changes, that's okay, but at least you can go in with a plan. Mm -hmm. Plans are great. So important. And then speaking of school, so... Go in with a plan, figure out what you want to do. And then I also highly recommend going to a school where the teachers there have worked in the industry, that there's teachers there that, if you can, find teachers that are working at the places where you would like to work or have once worked at those places, or at least the school is teaching that specific skill. Because it depends. Some schools have professors that have worked in the industry Some schools have professors that are still working in the industry. I really recommend places that have professors that are still in the industry and still doing things, you know, whether it be freelancing or they're actually in the studio during the day or at night because they have their boots on the ground so they can actually tell you what's going on, which is not to say that you won't learn a lot from teachers that are no longer in the industry, but the information that they have may not be as current. And this industry changes so much that, you know, you're paying a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So you want the most current information that you can get. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have experienced both. So as I'm sure you have, where I took a few classes with people who are no longer in the industry. And sometimes that's really cool. Like you get this history of animation. One was with a older Disney animator and got so much history and story out of him. It was great. 
But then I also took a class with someone who hadn't been in the industry a lot of time. You know, I don't want to name names. But he worked on a TV show, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago. And the information was so outdated. We never used the computer in the class. It was all paperboards. And while you can get useful information out of that, it wasn't as accelerated as some of the classes I've taken where it's someone who is working in the industry now and it's a modern class. If you're paying the money, you want something that's going to give you the most information in a concentrated period of time and that's going to be useful for when you get into the industry. Mm -hmm. So it might be fun to take some of those older classes, but they might not be as useful. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. you can learn wherever you are. Yeah. I had some classes that were terrible, so I made up for it by reading a lot of books and watching a lot of online tutorials and then finding teachers that were great. I have friends that went to schools that the schools were just bad, and they Mm -hmm. just, that was the school they could go to. That was what they could afford. That was what was available in their state. And so they just did the best they can. So we're telling you, it's not like, hey, if my school's not that great, I guess I'm stuck forever. That's not true. It's just, it's one more hurdle that you have to clear. So if you are able, pick a place that doesn't have that liability already attached to it. Pick Mm -hmm. a place that's current. And then, you know, we're talking about current technologies. So let's actually talk about the current technologies. Here's what we use on a day-to-day basis as artists. So if you want to work in television animation, learn Storyboard Pro and Flash. I cannot emphasize this enough. I use Storyboard Pro for all my portfolio needs. You use Flash Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, I use Flash five, sometimes seven days a week. Yeah, I use it Mm -hmm. all the time. But I also learned Storyboard Pro because I know that's the industry standard for storyboards. So I can use that. And for a lot of the freelance gigs, even for live action commercials and everything, I use Storyboard Pro. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and then if you want to do 3D, there's Maya, ZBrush. Houdini, Nuke, learn those things. Mm -hmm. You will be so much better off. If you want to be a painter, learn Photoshop. Mm -hmm. That is the industry standard. Illustrator, some shows use Illustrator. Most places use Photoshop. I recommend learn both. Yeah. Learn both things. Because it's good to be able to manipulate vector graphics sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need to get into Illustrator and mess around in there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you want to be a 2D animator, learn Harmony, because mm-hmm. a lot of the studios use Harmony. For example, The Loud House, it's a Harmony show. Now it's animated by Jamfield, which is in Canada. They use Harmony. So if you want to be an animator, hey, learn Harmony, because it's a really interesting program, and you can do a lot of cool stuff with it. Mm-hmm. So just keep aware of what's going on. And there's other programs out there that we've never used that I'm sure are being used all the time in the industry. We're just not privy to them. But those are the ones that I see used on a daily basis. Also, if you're interested in being an animatic editor, Highly recommend learning Premiere and Avid Mm. because our studio uses Premiere. I know that DreamWorks, they use Avid. I know some places also still use Final Cut, but the industry standard, from my understanding, from talking to different friends who are editors, it's Avid and Premiere. Yeah, that is smart to do because so much of my freelance work, they expect you to do everything, not just, oh, turn in some boards or turn in some animation they want you to turn in animation so basically you're going to be using flash if it's 2d for that and then they're going to want you to edit it in premiere 
you know, maybe add some effects or color balancing or whatever in After Effects and doing sound editing. I do so much sound editing for a lot of these freelance projects because, you know, they'll give you a track and it's not great or you need to edit it or whatever, take out sounds or whatever. So you need to get into, say, Audition or whatever. And the Adobe Creative Suite... If you sign up for a subscription, I know students get a huge discount on it. It has all those programs in it. All the editing and Photoshop and Illustrator, Flash, all that stuff you need. So definitely if you can get a student discount on that, it's worth it. Yeah, and let's say your school does not teach those programs. Here are some places you can learn those programs that are online that I have used that are great. Pluralsight is great. It used to be called Digital Tutors. Schoolism has a lot of great tutorial videos, and Skillshare has a lot of great tutorials. And if you don't want to pay the money, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just You can find a ridiculous amount of information on YouTube, ranging from people that really know what they're doing to people that you're like, eh, I don't quite know about this person. But everything's on YouTube. So mm-hmm. just watch a ton of YouTube tutorials if you don't want to pay for anything. Yeah, and sometimes you'll find someone on YouTube who knows what they're talking about. So bookmark those sites, you know, so that you can keep going back to them for information. So you aren't wasting time surfing through YouTube, trying to find people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. And some people on YouTube even have their own Gumroad account. So you Mm -hmm. can just buy the videos without commercials. A lot of artists now use Patreon. Mm -hmm. So whoever your favorite artist is, Find out if they have some kind of tutorial video or book and then watch all their videos and read all their books and practice Mm because a lot of artists nowadays are just doing their own thing like that. And you can learn a lot just from them. Yeah. Software and hardware. So talk about hardware. (laughs) So for hardware, I've found like for the freelance stuff I was doing, a Cintiq was necessary A Wacom tablet you can get away with for a while, but a Cintiq will just make things so much faster. For a while, I was using a 12-inch Cintiq, and it's pretty small, especially when you start getting into boards and stuff. So I eventually, once I had clients and a decent amount of money, I went with the 20-inch or whatever it was, and that just made things so much easier. So my setup is a Cintiq, on an arm so I can adjust it or I can draw standing up or whatever because you're going to spend a lot of time sitting down. And I had a MacBook Pro with the Adobe Creative Suite and what else did I have? I had a keyboard separate from the laptop so I could be doing stuff with one hand while drawing on the Cintiq with another. And pretty much that's all I really needed to start a business, you know, for freelance. What's your setup? So with me... I have an iMac and I also have a MacBook, but for a while, before I had a job, I had a Wacom tablet, so I just used a Wacom tablet all the time, and then I got a subscription to Storyboard Pro so that I could prove that I knew how to use Storyboard Pro, because for a lot of the places I was applying to, they specifically said, use Storyboard Pro, we want to make sure that you know how to do it, so I got a monthly subscription to do that, and then once I started working at Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon has a maker's lab, and they have Cintiqs in their lab, and so when I'm doing freelance work, for some of the Nickelodeon comics, the paper cuts, or working on my own projects, I use a Cintiq because it's just so much easier. And you can 
use hotkeys, you know, change the settings on the Cintiq itself. It has buttons on both sides where you can mm-hmm. just have the hotkeys on there. And some of them have the little remote, you mm-hmm. know, you can have. Yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just better. But it's within your budget. Buy the best thing that you can afford without going into debt. Mm-hmm. Don't and go on go Craigslist to find yeah. you know, the best deals on that mm-hmm. stuff too. One of my friends in school, he bought his Cintiq off of eBay. Mm-hmm. The Cintiqs are around two grand. He got his for 900. So mm-hmm. sometimes you have to be careful to make sure they actually work and that they're not burnt out or cracked or there's not mm-hmm. anything weird going on with them. And there's also, there's other companies that make other tablets, other boards. Like a lot of people now are using, you know, an iPad Pro and they just have Procreate. You know, there's a Microsoft Surface. There's other things. Mm -hmm. What we're basically saying is you're going to need these tools. You're going to either need a tablet or some type of touchscreen that you can draw on. Nobody's taking anything on paper. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're wanting to do fine arts or like professional paintings. I know mm-hmm. some people that that's their jam is all traditional media, which a lot of times that works if you're doing posters or books. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing prop design, character design, animation, storyboarding, it's all digital. Yeah. Like none of that's done on paper. Yeah. I do love the iPad Pro. That has helped a lot with a bunch of kind of on-set storyboard stuff where you go down with the director or whatever for a live-action thing for a commercial, say, and you can sketch out the set right there and show them designs right there. It's so great for that. So, yeah, that's really good, too. Mm -hmm. So good schools will have Cintiqs. Mm -hmm. Go to a school that has Cintiqs. Go to a school that has... If you choose to go to school, make sure that they have good teachers they have the proper tools. Also a good thing to look up, because I kind of went backwards. So what I did was I looked up the companies that I wanted to work for before I went to school. I looked up all the requirements of what they wanted on the job. And then I looked at the schools and saw if they taught those classes. And if they didn't teach those classes, then I didn't apply to those schools. Mm. So for example, for the longest time, I wanted to be at Pixar. So I printed out the job application at Pixar and what they were looking for. And I just matched it to different schools. Like, okay, do they offer figure drawing? Do they offer life drawing? Do they offer perspective? Do they offer caricatures? And if they didn't, I'm like, well, then this isn't the place for me because this is what this company wants. This school that is saying they're going to prepare me does not offer these things. So that's not where I want to go. It doesn't matter if the school says art on the front. It needs to actually prepare you for this stuff. And another good thing to do, which I didn't do, but I highly recommend this to people, is see if you can track down alumni from the school that you want to go to Hmm. and ask them, how did you like the school? Did it prepare you? Or did you mainly have to do everything yourself? Because, you know, we hear about a lot of names of, oh, this person went to this school and this person went to this school. And then you talk to them, you find out, oh, they didn't actually learn anything there. They had to figure it out on their own, you know, or this was a different time. So back then it was fine and now the school's terrible. So ask around. That's what the internet's for. You could literally find everyone. So just find and be very nice, very nice and professional. And if they don't get back to you, that's fine. Find somebody else. But just ask them, how did you like the school? Because I've actually had people do that with me. They've asked about Academy of Art and I've been very honest. Like, here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. So ask around. Mm. So smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I 
was not as smart. <laughs> I didn't go to a yeah. you know art school. My major was English, but I like the way you went about that because that's so specific. Because this industry is so specific. So you finding out the prereqs to get into Pixar influenced what school you were looking at. That's so smart. Thank you very much. I had the benefit of having gone to school before. So for undergrad, as some of you out there know, I went to the University of Texas. I was a communications major. I went in wanting to be a journalist. I got on the newspaper staff, realized I don't want to do this at all. Floundered around trying to figure out what major I should pick and not waste my parents' money. Settled on communication studies because I got in the honors program. Didn't really like it a whole lot. It was fine. There's nothing wrong with the program, but I was kind of like, I guess I'll pick this because this is here. And then spent the next couple of years trying to figure out what to do with my life before I finally got a job in publishing. And so this time around, you know, I went to art school when I was 30. So by the time I was an adult, I went, okay, now I know how this should actually be. Mm -hmm. And also this time around, I was paying for it. Ah. And there's not to say that I did not waste my parents' money. I was a very good student. I had a job. I lived on campus. Then I got an apartment with two other people. I was very responsible. But there's a big difference even if you're a responsible undergrad and your parents are paying for it versus I am now on my own and I have to find my own apartment and I have to find my own job and I have to pay for school. You start thinking things that you wouldn't have thought otherwise about where am I going? What am I doing? How am I going to pay for this? Oh, yeah. And you also, <laughs> at least for me in my head, because going to school as an English major, because I want, I love to write and I love writing short stories and thought I could, you know, make that into a career and all that stuff. Once you're past, we both kind of had careers before getting into animation kind of like I don't have that many shots left at starting a new career so I better make sure I do this right mm -hmm. you know so selecting schools selecting or in my case you know I was selecting you know like storyboard classes or life drawing gesture drawing all this stuff I made sure I was choosing the right ones for what I wanted to get into yeah so. and I will say something I did which I don't recommend I know this is unavoidable for a lot of you out there it was if you can avoid it, do not get student loans and don't mm. get a credit card. I did. I got a credit card and I got student loans. Hopefully one day I will pay all of that back. Mm. I do not yet know what day that will be. That will be a very glorious day and I will announce it to all of you. But loans suck. They are awful and you just feel like you have this horrendous weight on your shoulders. And for the longest time... I really resented even going to school, even though, because I went to school, that's why I was able to do an internship. That's why I was able to make contacts that eventually helped me get a job. I still resented school because I thought, I spent all this money on school, and now I'm a PA, which I'm thankful for, but I am not paying back my student loans at the rate I would like to on a PA salary. So, you know, I worked during school, hey, work during school, get scholarships, go to a cheaper school, find online programs first, do whatever you have to do so that you're not under bone-crushing debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I did the credit card thing for a while, and I worked while in college, but it took me a long time to pay off that credit card, and it was not fun. It was just like you're sending money out 
and you've already spent that money it's just you don't want that wrapped around your neck for years and years and years and yeah years. so yeah make smart choices yeah, yeah and it's it's tough because art school is expensive college just in general is expensive mm-hmm. art school is very expensive so a lot of art schools you're paying between 20 to 50 grand a year for three to four years so let's take that into account you go to a four-year school you're paying 50 grand a year that's going to cost you two hundred thousand dollars that might not even be covering your food or your books or your room and board or your apartment gas emergencies that's 200 grand animation jobs when you're first starting out animation jobs when you've been in the industry for a decade they're not paying you 200 grand so keep that in mind before you go to school of how long will it take me to pay this back and is that worth it if i'm going solely through loans which again i don't recommend that you do Mm -hmm. it actually makes me so angry that these colleges institutions universities they make so much money off the students it's just it does not seem right we need a change with all that stuff going on because people get into debt that they'll never get out of Mm -hmm. you know i mean two hundred thousand dollars that's insane it's gross yeah it's It's really bad and that's not just for art school that's just for school in general Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i I can't speak to other countries but in the united states it's expensive art school is very expensive which is why a lot of people rather than going to art school they do things like again schoolism pro site skillshare oatley academy is another really good one uh cda concept design academy it's a certificate program it's not cheap, but it's a lot less expensive. For their classes, you're paying between $700 to $900 a class, which I know a lot of people think, oh, that's expensive. But compare that to my classes, which were two grand, mm. which is gross. And it's like, oh, this is half the price. Mm-hmm. And their teachers are all working professionals. So if you're thinking a three to four year degree might not be my thing, or that's a little too expensive, Consider online alternatives. There's also iAnimate. There's also Animation Mentor. These things cost money, but they cost less money. And my understanding from having taken some of these classes and also seeing friends that have taken these classes, as far as I can tell, just as good. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the only, but here's the thing. Here's when school, and when I say school, we're talking about brick and mortar schools. Here's when it's an advantage. Internships. Mm-hmm. A solid third of the people that I work with at Nickelodeon were interns or interned somewhere. And the way that you get into an internship is if you're in college. You have to be in some type of degree program most of the time. Sometimes you can be in community college. Because I know a couple of people have done, they've gone back and taken random community college classes so they could do an internship and just... Mm -hmm anything like guitar or basket weaving like literally just i'm just to pick a thing right but some schools you know or some companies you have to be getting a degree and usually the requirement is you have to be a sophomore or a junior or a senior or you had to have graduated no more than six months to a year out or be a grad student that is when you're eligible 
for an internship. And up to one to three years out of school, you're eligible for many trainee programs that studios offer. And a lot of studios offer internships in spring, summer, and fall. I advise you to apply for all of those because that is your foot in the door. So many people, the reason why they got in was because they were interns first and then they got hired either right after or maybe a couple months or maybe even a year later because they were smart and they kept in contact with their employers, their friends at the studio, the internship coordinator, their former bosses. And the way they did it was, you know, they had lunches, they had coffee, they would see them at events, they would just be generally nice and kind. And they did excellent work while they were interns. Mm -hmm. And so then when a job opened, they went, hey, we should interview this person because they're fantastic. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, you can't get that a lot of times from an online program. True. Yeah, take advantage of that. If you can get an internship, take advantage of it. Like Angela said, apply for every season, every opportunity you get, because so many times I've gone to submit a test or, you know, gone to a website to see if, you know, a studio is hiring or whatever, and there's an internship button or whatever, you know, and I get so jealous because I'm just like, oh, I wish I could get that internship. They're mm -hmm. so valuable. Yeah. Even for just making contacts within the industry, not to mention all the experience and hands-on training you're getting. It's just such a great opportunity. If you can get one, get one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we did a whole show on internships. We did a whole two-part series. So I'll have a link in the show notes because we had a round table with several people who had internships, including myself. But I just want to say here, apply, apply, apply. And just to give a brief overview, how do you even get an internship? Do as much as you can in school and also outside of school. The way that I got my internship was I was in art school. I also had a part-time job as a production assistant for Learning Ally, which is a company that creates audiobooks for the blind. I also was a PA for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars, and I co-founded the Women in Animation chapter in San Francisco, and I'd had a career in publishing. So I had a lot of other things going on, and I had finished my thesis project because I had my internship after I graduated. Also, my mentor worked at Pixar. So she wrote me a recommendation letter and I met her through Women in Animation because she used to go to my school. So mm. it was everything. It wasn't just her letter. It wasn't just school. It wasn't just a PA. It wasn't just Women in Animation. It was, it was all these different things. And the interns that I've worked with personally at Nickelodeon, that's how all of them are. All of them were in organizations, started organizations, had art gallery shows, had student films, were volunteering, had good grades. They were very active people in mm -hmm. their lives. It's not just enough to do well in class. Mm -hmm. You might be the best artist in your class. That doesn't mean you're gonna get an internship. On the other hand, you might do all these things and still not get an internship. It doesn't mean that you're not worthy. Just know that there are hundreds, if not thousands of people competing for one spot. Mm -hmm. But the more you do, the more you apply, the more likely you are to get in. And another thing, getting back to schools too, find out which schools bring in recruiters. 
because not every school is going to bring recruiters to your school. So if your school is known for having the people from Nickelodeon, DreamWorks, Disney, Pixar, you name it, actually come to the school and talk to the students, you should really consider that school. Mm-hmm. That's because that's your end, especially if you're out of state and you don't have access to just being able to drive over, like quickly meet with people at organizations. Yeah. And take advantage of that. Even when I was at, I took some classes at Art Center and would try and whenever someone would come in from a studio, I would try and get in there. Even though at that point I wasn't really looking to get into the animation industry, I thought, I just want to see creative people talking. But I know people that wanted to get into animation that wouldn't go to these things. And it's like, these are opportunities. Take them. It's crazy. Yes, that's the thing. So that is a really good reason to go to a brick and mortar school is internships. And the other thing is you're there with people. So you're seeing them face to face every day and your classmates are the first step to you getting a job. Not you meeting a famous director, not you meeting a famous producer, not you knowing a showrunner. It's the people that are beside you in the trenches, in lab, way too late at night, eating very unhealthy food. (laughs) The people that I hang out with now, besides folks at Nickelodeon and you, all my former classmates that we took multiple classes together and we suffered. We know we suffered through it together. (laughs) So we understand what's going on. And I've gotten the first bunch of storyboard tests that I ever received were all from friends. Mm. They were friends that worked at different studios and I saw that they were hiring and I contacted my friend. I said, hey, mm-hmm. I'm about to apply for this job. I'd love to take a test. Can you get me a test? And they went, sure. Mm-hmm. And then they talked to their production manager or their producer or their manager or their director. And then they contacted me and said, here's the test. Mm-hmm. So make friends in school. Do excellent work. Get to know your classmates because you're going to be around them for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good advice for anything you plan on doing i've gotten so many jobs just from friends from school and out of school just friends i've met you know just day to day or whatever those yeah. are how i've gotten so many jobs mm-hmm. it's like, and that's yeah. actually how the industry works it's mm-hmm. just people want to work with people they know because they're getting hundreds of applications all the time mm-hmm. you're getting so many you guys and so I know that there are a lot of times where we're like, ah, they're only hiring their friends. That stinks. Yeah, sometimes it does stink. But other times it's like, well, if that's what's happening, make friends. And mm-hmm. not in a gross way. Yeah. You know, and we're going to have a whole thing on networking and getting to know people. But, you know, be friendly. Be nice. Offer to help out. You know, when you work on other people's projects or they work on your projects, you're, you'll gravitate to the people that you like and that are kind and similar to you and have interesting tastes and that work hard. Gravitate towards those people and lift them up as they lift you up too. But again, we'll get into that because that's a whole other discussion of how to even talk to people mm-hmm, and like get mm-hmm. used to folks. Yeah. Tell me about your experience with school because I know that You were an English major. Tell me again Mm -hmm. which school that you went to. So I went to Cal State Northridge for my English degree. I also 
I have enough credits to minor in art just because I took so many art classes just because I was interested in that. I also took a ton of classes in community college. I went to Valley College for a while and I thought I was going to be a film major. So I took a bunch of film classes there and actually won a couple of awards for some short films I did there. And that was also a good way to just get rid of the basic classes, the general ed classes or whatever, so that I didn't have to pay for those classes once I was at Cal State Northridge. And I don't regret it. I love the stories and all the education I got for being an English major. And they had a great English department there. And I think it also, being able to write well and succinctly and type fast and create stories and whatever has helped me throughout my career in anything I've done. Even with my webcomic, it's such a skill that you can hone without an English degree, but being able to write a cohesive story and tell it in a tight little package in three panels, four panels, and then have that arc throughout a hundred comic storyline. I learned a lot of that in taking English classes or reading so many stories or whatever in college. But once I decided to get into animation, then I started taking classes at the Art Institute in Burbank, which is great. There's so many classes and they're pretty inexpensive. I think if you are part of the Animation Guild, you get preference. So if you're in the Guild, you can sign up for classes earlier. I'm not in the guild, so I have to wait until a certain period and then I can sign up for classes if there's still places available. That's a great resource if you live in LA to take classes with people who work in the industry. I also took, we've talked about this on the show before, Chris Wimberly's storyboarding mentorship. Great class if he does it again. He's done it a few times now. Get in on that if you want to learn about storyboarding for television animation from someone who has been at numerous studios. Subscribe to Chris Wimberly's Instagram and Twitter and the next time he has a class, I'm sure he'll post about it. And just started doing classes like that and doing a lot of gesture drawing and just beefing up my art skills. But I will say the thing that has helped me the most to get freelance gigs and other gigs was doing a webcomic, was doing JeffBot. I feel like that was my university for animation because I learned so much when I was doing strips, especially when I was doing it like three times a week, that was such a lesson in drawing every day, drawing the same character all the time, learning how to pose and put a character with a background and tell a story and come up with different characters and how they move. Doing that for so many years, several years, it has helped me immeasurably. So if you want to learn how to draw and tell a story, start a webcomic and that's something anyone can do because getting a website and posting on WordPress or whatever people are using now barely costs anything. So definitely recommended. Yeah, and then for me, what I had done was when I lived in Houston, I took live drawing classes. When I moved to New York, 
I took life drawing classes. And then it was in New York when I realized, oh, I don't want to work in publishing anymore. I want to work in animation and I work, want to work in film. And so then I joined a CIFA East and I took life drawing classes at a CIFA East and also Pratt offered life drawing classes sometimes for free, which I thought was really interesting on like Friday nights. So I was taking life drawing classes all the time and my drawings were bad. So here's another thing first hundreds or so drawings you do, they're gonna look kind of like garbage, so that's okay. I have some of my old ones and I look back and I'm like, I used to think this was good, this is terrible. But I did a lot of really bad life drawings and then when I moved to Denver, I did some more bad life drawings and then when I moved to California, I went to art school, I did even more life drawings than I was in art school. Then at my school, they offered drop-in life drawing classes at night that were part of your tuition. And so I would take life drawing classes when I could and then I took other classes through school and then I would watch digital tutor videos and videos online. And I used to read a lot of web comics, which is how I learned Photoshop because I didn't learn Photoshop in school because I didn't have the credits to just be able to take just a Photoshop class. And so I learned Photoshop from friends and I learned how to storyboard in Photoshop from friends and like Louis Del Carmen's website had mm. like Photoshop boards and so i'm like oh that's what feature boards look like okay i'm gonna try to do what he's doing i didn't do as well as he did of course but i'm like (laughs) okay but i kind of kind of see how this is working and so i did that and then when i moved to la i was going to center stage gallery life drawing classes and then when i got my job at nickelodeon nickelodeon has a partnership with a place called studio arts and a lot of studios have partnerships with studio arts where It's a grant from the state of California to keep people in California instead of moving out of state to work. Mm. And so that's when I learned Storyboard Pro. Mm. Because before, when I was doing tests for Storyboard Pro, Sherm Cohen, who works at Nickelodeon on SpongeBob, he has hours and hours and hours of Storyboard Pro video tutorials. And so for my first test that I ever had to do with Storyboard Pro before I was at Nick, they asked me, do you know Storyboard Pro? And I went, yes. And then I went online and typed in how to use Storyboard <laughs> Pro and then watched like five hours of his videos. And I, you know, I was like, okay, this is how to do it. And then when I finally got to Nick and I was a PA, I'm like, okay, now I can actually take a real, not to say that his classes aren't real, but I needed more in-depth instructions where I could ask somebody for help. And so then I took Storyboard Pro from that. And then it's just been live drawing classes. And I watched the tutorials from Schoolism for Steven Silver. And I watched a bunch of tutorials through Oatly Academy. And now I'm watching a bunch of tutorials through Skillshare. And on YouTube, there's a really good series called Every Frame of Painting, Hmm. where they talk about how film works. I got a bunch of books. I got a membership to the zoo and just went to the zoo all the time. And I would go with my friends to the cafe and just draw all the time. And I still feel like I'm not drawing enough, but Mm. it's just been a gradual thing. And I think that's the thing too, is I know this was for me and this is how it was for a lot of friends as well. This feeling of, well, now I have a degree and I've been to school, but I'm not where I want to be and feeling very disappointed and disgusted with that. And seeing your friends that went to school and now have jobs, and then you look at your art and you're like, ah, it's not as good. Sometimes it just takes a while. Mm-hmm. I'm finally at the point where I'm looking at my art going, okay, now I'm finally getting better at it. When I first got out of school, my art still wasn't that great. Mm. 
And I'm now getting the point where I'm starting to really understand what it is that I need to be doing. And that just comes from going to classes beyond my school and watching more videos. And then also just looking at other people's art and trying to recreate the art just to see what they're doing with mm -hmm. the structure and to see what they're doing with camera angles and to see what they're doing with characters and perspective. So know that just because you went to school doesn't necessarily mean you're any good, mm -hmm. which is hard to hear. I think a lot of times people just want to hear, they're just not hiring right now or it's timing. Your art might not be that good yet. Mm -hmm. And if you could honestly look at your art and just go, you know what, it's not there yet then you know, okay, well then what do I need to do to get it to be there? As opposed to, ah, I'm a failure, I will never make it. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that is one of those myths that exist in our culture, you know, where you feel like, or I've heard so many times that, oh, I can't draw, you just have to be born with that. Like, oh, no, oh that's you draw <laughs> so well, like I can never do that because mm -hmm. I just wasn't born with it. No, you can learn how to draw. You know, I'm still not at the point that I'd like to be, but mm -hmm. I know that through practice and repetition and doing it that I've gotten better. And, you know, one of the things that really helps me is getting critiques from a professional or someone who's a great artist. I took some classes with Steven Silver as well when he was giving classes in his garage <laughs> at his house. It was several years ago. And this was when I wasn't sure what I wanted to be. But just like you said, you don't have to stick with something. You can change you know, what you want to do. And before I found that I wanted to do storyboarding, I was really thinking about character design. So I took his class and just having him correct my drawings was invaluable because you know, when you draw something and you think, oh, this is where the shoulder should go, or this is where the hip is, and this is how the face... And then someone goes like, no, and draws over it like with a red pen, like, this is where that should go. And you're just like, oh, of mm -hmm. course. That just made the drawing look a hundred times better. It actually, if you know the structure and you know the bones underneath and anatomy and all that stuff it'll make your drawing so much better and if you can get someone to look at your drawings and give you honest criticism it just helps me out so much i love it i agree and that's the key being able to take the criticism mm -hmm. oh you know uh, yeah and you have to learn how to do that mm -hmm. because that's a hard thing just listen you don't have to agree with it, but just listen. And if honestly, if, if you feel like their advice is bad, just say, okay, well, thank you. And just walk away. But you really do, like you said, you really need the critique. That's the reason I've gotten better is I've now done, I don't know, something like 13 tests. And for most of them, I was able to go to someone either the person administering the test, either like the directors on the show or friends that worked on a show or friends that worked on another show or mentors or someone who was much better than me and just say, okay, tell me what's working and tell me what's not working and just be really honest with me because I'm tired of taking tests. <laughs> I'm going to be taking tests throughout my career, but I, I just need to know what's going on here. And you're right, because you'll look at it and you'll go, hey, I think that looks fine. And then you get it back and you're like, oh, eesh, okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a lot of red here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you see that, it just 
for me at least something just clicks like yes okay i see what i'm doing wrong here's how to make it better and yeah yeah so great and i also recommend keeping your drawings like i know mm-hmm. sometimes it's i hate all of this all this is going to the trash keep some because it's actually very rewarding and therapeutic to look like the other day sidebar so i've been watching the uh, Marie Kondo tidying up show. Oh, I started watching And that now too. my apartment looks great because I threw out four bags of trash. And what? yeah, and a whole thing of uh, Goodwill stuff is getting donated. But cleaning out everything, mm-hmm. I found a lot of my old drawings, like pre art school stuff. We're talking mm-hmm. like stuff from like 2011 and like way back. Nice. And I'm looking at it going, huh, I used to think this was good. And at the time it was, but now I'm looking at it going, I know what's wrong with this. But the only reason why I know what's wrong with it was because I had teachers and took classes and had people look at my stuff. And so now I can look and go, oh, I know this is okay, or in some cases it's bad, but I know what to do to fix this so that this looks really good. Mm-hmm. And that's a good feeling to be able to look at your own work and know what to fix. The most frustrating thing is looking at your work knowing, I know this is off and I don't know why, and I don't know how to fix it. Yeah, That's rough. But when you can look at it and go, all right, I know what to do now. And nine times out of ten, it's perspective is off, or the structure's bad. Like mm-hmm. what you said, the anatomy's off. And it's like, this, this, this looks kind of wonky. And it's not wonky on purpose. It's wonky because I don't know how to draw arms or something. So. Yeah. That's another reason why I recommend doing a webcomic is because <laughs> those comics are there forever, you know? And now I've published two books and going to those first comics, they're embarrassing. <laughs> like, I can't believe, you know, I'm just like, oh my God, they look so bad. But I'm not gonna change them because I like seeing that progression and, you know, the readers like seeing that too. And I mean, if you go check it out, jeffbot.com, you'll see, I get better almost with every comic like the first one's bad and then but by around like 20 30 comics in you can see i'm starting to think more about shapes and Mm -hmm. anatomy and stuff and then by 100 it looks so much better and then you know by the time i get to 500 you can see i'm experimenting with color Mm -hmm. and line weight and all sorts of stuff that i love like you said, it's kind of, you feel a little, it feels good to see your progression, that you aren't at the same spot you were when you first started. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and keep that, all those sketchbooks. Yeah, and that just takes, here's something that people say that I hate, but it's true. It really does take time. You can't outrun time. You can't outrun practice. Now, you know, the more you practice, the better you can get. But sometimes it plateaus. It's not always a straight shot of, if I practice, if I draw characters, props, work on perspective, work on color, line quality, three hours a day, every day for a year, or forever, then I'll just always go up, 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 up. It's not like that. Usually, at least how it is for me, maybe it's this way for you, is you have spikes. So you improve a lot, and then you plateau. Nothing's happening. Everything looks the same. And then you spike, and you plateau. And sometimes it feels like that's the same day. Because Mm -hmm. you'll draw something, and you're like, wow, this is great. And then you try to draw the exact same thing again, and you can't. 
And then 20 drawings later, you have it again, and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What is happening with this? Oh, yeah. So it's not always just a straight upward progression. I saw somebody online, I forget who it is, where it was like the dream and the reality, and the one graph was straight up to where they wanted to go, and the other one was the reality, and it kind of goes straight, and this is weird, squiggly jumble of a <laughs> bunch of lines, then it went up. Art's like that. Yeah. It's just this tangled morass of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You always hear people always in this industry talking about uh, pencil mileage. Yeah. And it's true. Like It's infuriating, but it's true. Yeah. (laughs) You need to put in that pencil mileage to get better, you know, Mm -hmm. so just keep drawing, keep drawing, keep drawing. Yeah. You got to put in that time. Sometimes it means drawing the same thing, but sometimes not. And sometimes it's where people get stuck. It's like, I would say not always like try different styles. Mm -hmm. Like don't get hung up on the style. Like try drawing in multiple styles. Try drawing, like, a hundred different kinds of trees, a hundred different types of people, a hundred different kinds of couches. Here's the thing that people hate drawing a lot. Hands. If you're terrible at hands, draw a lot of hands until you're no longer terrible. Oh, yeah. Like, just draw lots of different types of stuff all the time. Look at different art books. Look at different ways they're doing it. Practice with different mediums. And then, if you need a break, take a break. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes... It's like, you'd have to draw every day. Well, sometimes you can't. And sometimes you shouldn't. Mm-mm. You know, if you're just like, I'm having a bad day and I genuinely hate this. Sometimes you need to power through that. Other times you need to stop and take a walk or take a nap. Oh, yeah. It's so many drawings mm-hmm. I've had problems with. And then, you know, I'll sleep on it. And then the next day, it's just like, first drawing that comes out of my hand. Perfect. The one that I was working on. And the day before I have solved for everything it looks Mm -hmm. great and it's just like wow I guess my brain just needed to process it or something yeah yeah sometimes you just need to rest or you just need inspiration from something Mm -hmm. you know so get out there and and get outdoors so that does it for part one of our series on just surviving the animation industry and just making it here so in future episodes we're going to be talking about freelancing the animation guild working in the studio mental health all these good topics that maybe you don't hear so much about so we'll definitely get more into it so if you've enjoyed today's episode please make sure to leave a five-star review in itunes all of your reviews help more people to find out about the show and you can support the show By donating to us as well, you can visit www.theanimatedjourney.com and clicking on the PayPal donation button and leaving a donation. And also you can check us out on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash theanimatedjourney. On Tumblr, the site is theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. So if you have questions about the industry or the union, studios, working in non-studios, freelancing, internships, please let us know. We're going to be bringing in other guests on future episodes of this mini-series. We'll make sure to address as many questions as we possibly can. So Jeff, where can people find you online? People can find my webcomic that I keep mentioning at at jeffbot.com. I'm hoping to update that more this year. They can also find some random doodles and just my daily life on Instagram at Shootzee, S-H-O-O-T-Z-E-E, or on Twitter at Jeffbot, J-E-F-B-O-T. 
And to see what I have been up to lately, you can visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com. And on Tumblr and Instagram, the handle is at sketchysoul. So that does it for this episode. Make sure to tune in next time. And as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Thank you.